Hey guys, how's it going? This is episode six. I'm so glad that you guys have been enjoying what I've been putting out there. I've been getting such good feedback from you guys and it just blows me away. I'm so, so grateful. So thank you. And today I'm going to talk to you about what traveling has taught me, what traveling around the world has taught me. I haven't even seen a portion of the world. I've been, I counted recently, I've been to nine countries and it's been the best times of my entire life. Even when shit doesn't go according to plan, it turns into the best stories. I fucking love to travel. There is nothing that I like more (laughs) than to travel. And there's no place so far that I feel so alive than in the Caribbean Sea. And I will live in the Caribbean one day. Mark my word. Remember that. So... I want to talk to you all about what travel has given me, what travel makes me thankful for, what travel has made me realize, and all that good stuff. So let's start by talking about where I have been. Most of these places are in the Caribbean. So let's see, Puerto Rico, if you count that as going out of the country from the States, I've been to Puerto Rico three times. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to St. Martin, I've been to Saba, or Saba, I forget how you pronounce it. I've been to Anguilla, I've been to Amsterdam, Germany, um, where else? Jamaica, oh, Canada. So I'm not technically a world traveler just yet, but I am getting there. So the first thing that comes to mind when I think of what travel has given me is a sense of freedom. I grew up as an only child. My family was very overprotective. I wouldn't say that I was sheltered. I still experienced, you know, everything that everyone else experienced just under a very, very watchful eye. So being out of the country, being away from family when I started traveling when I was about probably 18 was just a new and great sense of freedom. And that still rings true today. When you go away and you just have no responsibilities for a week or however long you're there, it's just this sense of freedom, that like stripping of everything that makes you anxious. It's given me amazing knowledge on cultures and languages and food. I was so, so grateful to learn that in Jamaica, which is one of my favorite places to visit, If something is called a restaurant, it means that it is vegan because Rastas do not use dairy and they don't use animal products. They don't cook with meat. So if it says vegetarian, you know, I would double check always, but it's going to be vegan. So if you go to a kitchen where a Rasta is cooking, you know that you're getting vegan food, which is so, so easy for me because eating vegan can be frustrating sometimes depending on where you're traveling to. So it's really cool to know that there are places that have like a whole culture that understands and naturally produces vegan food. I had crazy experiences that I would have never gotten myself into had I stayed quote unquote safe. For example, in Jamaica, the first time that I went, probably about three, four years ago, It was me, my cousin, and my brother, and we rented a car, and then they started messing with us. They wouldn't give us the car that we reserved. They wanted us to rent a bigger vehicle and pay more money. 
They kept saying that we wouldn't fit in the small car when all of our luggage and us fit in the car. But they decided to roll out a, how much was it? It was an 11 passenger van. 11 or 12. I'll have to fact check that. But there was three of us and they gave us a practically a bus to drive around Jamaica, which if you don't know, you drive on the left side of the road in Jamaica. So it's it takes a lot of getting used to. Also, people drive super fast. There's really like no speed limit. There are scooters. There are goats. Everything is reversed on the steering wheel. So every time you try to put the blinker on, the wipers go on and vice versa. So after hours of fighting and it cutting into our vacation, we finally accepted the 11 passenger van. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Yeah, 11 passengers. And we drove that thing all around Jamaica for 10 days straight. And it was terrifying. There were times where I thought that our life was going to end. <laughs> now it's just a really great story, which I talk all about in my new book, which is coming out super freaking soon. And I'm so excited. This is going to be probably the most impactful thing that I've ever created because it delivers so much knowledge in, I think, 150 something pages at such a low price. And I cannot wait for you to experience it. It is going to be life changing for so many people. And I I have never been so excited about a project. So the rest of that story is in the book. And it's absolutely hilarious, along with lots of other hilarious stories that go along with my teachings. Something else that travel has taught me is that I am so, as much as I sometimes hate my town and I'm super bored and I cannot wait to leave and I can't wait until I can afford something that is my dream home, which is probably like a tree house in the jungle, no more than a few blocks from a pristine Caribbean beach. But anyway, as much as I sometimes cannot wait to leave where I live and live somewhere in the Caribbean, when you look around and you're not in the touristy areas, even when you are in some of the touristy areas, but when you step off of the resorts, I don't do resorts because I can't take advantage of the food. I don't drink. It just doesn't pay for me to do so. And I'd rather rent a car and drive all around the island or wherever I'm staying and really experience the culture and just how people live and how I might possibly live if I move there. So I just really notice and take into account when you are driving around, no matter how bad things get, I can always come home. I always have a home base to come to. I will never have to resort to being nine months pregnant, selling cantaloupes on the side of a busy road to live in a house with no walls and no roof. I'm thankful here that we can marry, for the most part, whoever we want without paying a dowry or a bride price or having to pay for your spouse or having to go through these crate, having to catch a boar to bring back to the family like they have to do in other countries. This is all you have to do is agree that you're going to get married go through a couple of annoying steps at the courthouse and whatever you have to do. But for the most part, you can marry whoever you want to marry. I understand that the laws are still changing in some states and some people still definitely do struggle with being able to marry who they want to marry. So we definitely want to recognize that and keep the changes coming. That's why I'm saying for the most part. And again, with the houses, you wouldn't believe what kind of houses that some people live in literally right in the backyards 
of the resorts that people vacation in. You wouldn't believe how close that poverty is when you're vacationing in these Caribbean countries specifically. And the Caribbean is just my experience so far. All over the world, this is happening. They don't have walls. They don't have roofs. They don't have roofs, 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 roofs. They don't have roofs. They're literally falling apart. And imagine the bugs that are on them as they sleep. And the craziest thing is that in these places, you will still find some of the most generous, giving, pleasant, and happiest people that you will ever meet. We are very lucky to have houses with structure. And yet we complain about things every day that most of the world will never get to experience. If you're listening to this on a computer or a phone or in a car, you are already doing better than 90% of the world. Listen to this, actually. Even though we may think of the 1% as like the untouchable or the elite, you're actually in the top 10%. You are in the top 10% of wage earners in the world if you make just 12000 a year. 12000 a year is all it takes to be in the top 10% of wage earners in the entire world. And to be a part of the top half of the globe, you only have to make $1,225 a year. Making $1,200 a year puts you at better in a better place than half the world. 2.8 billion people earn less than $2 a day. That right there is nearly half the world's population. What we consider poor in America and other developed countries are actually some of the wealthiest people in the entire world. And I know that everything is relative, right? Cost of living, food, other expenses. But how is that for some perspective? I mean, when we take all of that extra stuff out of the equation and we just look at what we are earning compared to the rest of the world, you can't help but be mega grateful. Like, what are the chances that I was born here instead of in a developing country where I would have to do the whole watermelon selling thing on the side of the road? Just recognize that the chances of us being born where we are, the chances of you being able to listen to this right now on a cell phone that probably costs you almost $1,000 or more. I mean, that is insane. That is freaking insane, Jack. Another thing that travel taught me is that I don't need all the extra stuff. At home, you know, I like to do my hair. I, I put hair products in it. Um, I sometimes wear makeup when I go out. Because this is what I did growing up. This is what I did my whole life. So it became routine. You're going out, do your hair, do your makeup. Then you reach another part of the world where priority is based on happiness in a much different way. You almost forget how carefree you're allowed to be or you're supposed to be as a human being. And on top of that energetic feel of just being free from all that stuff, on a side note, when the water is filtered naturally and it doesn't have chlorine in it and it's coming from like the mountains and the un, being filtered from underground it really does do wonders and when you have that beach hair and it's all salty from the waves it really does um help you feel good about yourself from the physical sense as well as the energetic freedom from routine i just want to be in the sea all the time you know who's with me in the sea with sea hair all the time for so, so long, my happiness was literally based on how I looked on the outside. And 
I can't lie and say that I'm not still a little vain. Like I like to keep up my appearance and I like to feel good about the way that I look and I still buy like skin cream and all that. But I seriously, like during school years, like high school and still college, I cared so much about the way that I looked. Even in middle school, if my hair didn't come out right, it would just ruin my whole day. And nobody likes a bad hair day. Nobody. But nowadays, I'm just like, okay, calm your tits. We're going to throw it up in a bun, honey. Okay? Okay. And then we move on. I was so sick of being a slave to my hair products and my makeup. And I truly believe that travel gave me the ability to see myself in a new light because I'm not the type of person to bail out on some fun because my hair is done or my makeup's done. So when I'm on vacation, I am in full go mode. I am jumping in that water. I'm getting messy. I'm getting dirty. I'm riding those ATVs. So I'm not doing myself up every day. So traveling forced me to see myself in a new light. It forced me to feel beautiful without all the extra stuff. If I look around my room right now and I have crystals, I have pictures, I have tinctures, I have sprays, I have water bottles, I have sound bowls, I have rock salt lamps. And I love my things. I love the things that I've collected over the years from my travels, the things that make me feel like me. I look around and my room is definitely comfy. It feels like me. It, it, it's a good reflection of me. So I definitely appreciate the material items that I've collected over the years. But if I picked up and moved and started over, I know that I would be fine. I wouldn't miss the material stuff. And that is a huge sign that you're growing, that you're evolving um, when you're not so attached to the material items that have been part of your life. I also learned that animals love, I already knew this, but animals love is so universal and I connect with animals wherever I go. And whether I'm staying, whether I choose purposely to stay on like a farm or something, I always find myself on a farm or I find myself in the jungle with monkeys like all around the house or I find myself feeding dogs. It's just I always connect with animals wherever I go, and that's actually one of my favorite parts of traveling. One of my least favorite parts of traveling is also seeing all the homeless pets that, um, you know, are roaming, and some of them are in really bad shape, and I've seen stuff that I never want to see again. And helping animals on a large scale is definitely on my bucket list. Animals have my heart. They make me feel so super happy, probably happier than ever. I think that like one of my happiest days was when I woke up in one of my Airbnbs and I wasn't expecting to have a farm stay. And there happened to be a farm across like maybe an acre or two down uh, the street. And our yard was connected to this farm. So I woke up to all of these cows like feet away from me. I was, oh, I, I just, I love their noses. Okay. What else do I have written down here? Oh, being from New York. New York City has definitely helped me be alert. I realize that a lot of people that I read from forums and travel groups, so many people are getting pickpocketed and I'm not saying that it can't happen to me. Of course it can. All I'm saying is that I feel like being from New York, I'm a little more alert of what's going on around me because as soon as I step off that train, I've been trained since I was a kid to be like that. Side note, being from New York, I've also seen some shit. Hardly anything on the sidewalk will distract me or impress me. Come to New York, guys. Take the subway just for just for like two stops. You will see some shit. 
So I might notice somebody walking a little bit close to me because in New York City, if I'm walking on the street alone, which a lot of the times I am, I'm always aware of what's going on around my shoulders. I'm always thinking about my next move. I'm always having my hands on my bag, making sure that everything is tight, you know? So I just think that being from New York gives me a little bit more of an edge when it comes to being alert on petty crime, petty theft. Here's hoping, at least. Traveling has helped me learn how to keep calm during stressful situations. There have been a lot of times where things do not go as planned and you just want to freak the fuck out. And sometimes you do freak the fuck out, but you have to pull yourself together and you have to problem solve. You're not even in your country. And try calling hotlines when you're in a developing country trying to get them to help you if you break down on the side of the road. Or try to get somebody... Or try explaining to somebody what jumper cables are once your battery goes. But they don't use jumper cables down there. They think you're making jumper cables up. They had no freaking idea what I was talking about. So you have to be ready to problem solve in very non-conventional ways sometimes. What do you do if your car breaks down in the middle of a developing country and the number that they gave you on the receipt is out of service, so you call corporate and they tell you that since you're out of the USA, they can't help you. What do you do then, huh? I don't know. What do you do? I learned the divine love of my own bed. Whenever I come home from a trip, no matter how comfortable the bed is where I'm staying, my bed is just my bed and I love snuggling up in my own blankets. I recognize the comfort of going straight to the grocery store on a paved road and back. And if you forget something, you don't want to end it all because you have to basically trek through the jungle to go back. You forget something after you drive on the left side of the road and have a panic attack for straight 30 minutes to get to the grocery store. And then you realize you forgot something. I, I just throw the whole meal out at that point. Throw the whole meal out. I am not going back. So yeah, being from here, you can just go right, just go right back. It's easy. There and back in your car or on your feet, whatever you want to do. It's easy and relatively safe to walk alone in my neighborhood. Again, still grateful for that ability to be alert. I learned even from traveling around my own country from state to state, this was actually in Nevada. I was in Vegas and I needed, I was wearing like these really crappy shoes that were hurting me. So I wanted Dr. Scholl's inserts. So I went up to a cop on the street and I was like, hey, do you mind telling me where I can find a drugstore? And he looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. Apparently they are not called drugstores in every state. He was like, what are you looking to buy, ma'am? I said, Dr. Scholl's inserts. He was like, oh, oh, a pharmacy. Okay, I gotcha. Apparently the term drugstore means something very different in different areas. And traveling definitely taught me how to budget my money. Because it would be very easy for me to say, I do not have the budget to travel. I can't do it. Because let me let you in on a little secret. Your girl's not rich here. Definitely have to budget my money very tightly. And if you told me that I would be able to travel at least twice a year for the past three years, I would tell you that you were crazy, but that's what's happened. And I'm kind of putting it on the back burner right now. I'm still inviting opportunities in, but my main objective right now is to save money for an investment in the near future, which I can't wait to talk to you guys about, but it's still a surprise. Traveling gave me the ability to meditate deeper I think it's because I don't have to picture myself in my happy place. I'm already there. I'm already relaxed. It's, so it's easier to get into that meditative state. 
It's really easy to get into a mindfulness meditation. If you're just standing, I remember in Jamaica, like a couple of hours before we went to the airport, I was standing on the steps going down into the Caribbean Sea. It was like steps made of stone. So I felt like really grounded on this step and the water was coming up to like my knees and I was just staring at the water, being super mindful of what was happening and watching the waves come in and go out and hit me in the legs and remember how it felt. And I feel like when I close my eyes, I can really transport back there because I spent a while just like staring at it and meditating with the visual of my happy place. Traveling has allowed me to experiment with cooking. I love cooking when I travel. I don't eat out every night. I go to the grocery store. I get a bunch of different vegetables. I get a bunch of different things that I've never tried before. Um, a Googling queen before I go to make sure that there's Wi-Fi or whatever. And then I take screenshots and I'll cook something new. I've even experienced an Airbnb that came with a chef. It was insane. Like we didn't pay extra for that. It just happened to come to actually came with two different chefs and we got to experience um, local cooking. And I told him like, can you please cook vegan? And he did. It was incredible. So there are options like that when you travel that you don't even think of. I didn't never thought that I would have never thought to look for a chef. I would have thought that that would have been like way too expensive, but it actually saved us a lot of money. And what else? What else? What else? Um, yeah, it gives me the opportunity to cook for myself, though, with the freshest ingredients and uh, get super creative. It was funny when I was in Costa Rica there, I was there for almost three weeks and there was such a limited amount of vegetables in the supermarket and eating vegan. I went to four different areas all over the country. And for some reason, eating vegan was not very easy wherever I went. There was like very limited options. So I went to the grocery stores and there was literally carrots, lettuce, and two types of hot peppers. I was like, what can I do with this? <laughs> the pasta had egg in it. The bread had milk in it. It was, um, it was difficult. I lost like 12 or 16 pounds on that trip. <laughs> it was more hiking than I had ever done. So here I am working out more than ever every day and I am not getting enough calories. I was actually carried uphill at one point, but I really was grateful that I was able to find a meal every day, at least one substantial meal every day. Traveling has taught me how to precisely open up a coconut. It's taught me how to jump a car battery without a cable or another car. It's taught me how to drive on the left side of the road, like I said. It's told me how to say fuck it to fear and realizing that fun and accomplishment and the experiences that we crave are only 0.2 seconds on the other side of fear. You only have to be brave for half a millisecond to say fuck it and do the thing. And when it's in the past, it's going to probably feel like the most one of the most fun things that you've ever done in your entire life. This is how I felt the first time that I jumped into the blue hole in Jamaica. It was like a 35-foot jump into... Um, a clear like crystal blue basically like a huge fish tank fresh water so gorgeous and then the other time was when I was in Costa Rica and I was jumping down like 150 feet off of this like bungee cord and then you kind of swing like a Tarzan swing and I cannot explain 
the terror. You can hear it in my voice. It's on my Instagram, and I'm actually going to post it this week so you can watch it again. It'll be up by the time you hear this podcast. So if you're listening to this, go to my Instagram, Return to Saturn, and you'll be able to see the video of me jumping and crying pure terror in my voice though and these have been some of the most fun experiences of my life I am an adrenaline junkie but I will cry before I do it the next thing I want to do is go skydiving and let me tell you something whenever I think about it I literally get sweaty palms it scares me so much I'm afraid of throwing up I'm afraid of passing out up there and just blacking out but then I also know that there's this bad bitch side of me that's able to say fuck fear and just do it and just get over it and just feel fearful for a couple of minutes or what might actually be a couple of days before skydiving. But in the moment when your feet are literally hanging off of the scaffold that you're going to jump off of or the plane that you're going to jump off of, it only takes a millisecond of bravery to experience bliss. And if you just looked at my Instagram and didn't read any of the captions or listen to any of my podcasts, you'd probably think, wow, she's a real adrenaline junkie, She's, which I am, but she's really fearless. You know, she's like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's not how I come across at all. Maybe I'm just hoping that's how I come across. But if you saw the shit that I've done in the past on my vacations, jumping off of shit, you'd probably say, oh, wow, she's, she's pretty fearless. You know, if you, if you watch the videos on mute, that is. But... <laughs> I don't enjoy these things because I don't have fear around them. I enjoy them, number one, because they get my heart pumping. They get my adrenaline up because I am fearful. But number two, because of the whole conquering thing, you know, of the whole like warrior, like I did that, I accomplished it. I felt fearful and I did it anyway, which is a golden reminder for the next time that you feel fearful. So one day I'm going to jump out of that plane. And that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned from traveling is that the things that you're probably most afraid of, you are going to face when you throw yourself into a place where you don't speak the language, a place where you don't know where you're going, a place that might not have up to date or um, super reliable cars, and you might be breaking down. Like, what are you going to do? What are your coping mechanisms? What are your emotional safety nets that are not going to let you freak out in these situations? The things that scare you are probably going to be the most fun. There were plenty of times that I was petrified, but at the same time, kind of having the time of my life. Like the time that I was five and a half hours into a hike with my cousin and we came out on the completely wrong side of the mountain and we had a flight to catch in like an hour. So we didn't have time to hike back. Our only option, there's no public transportation on this island. There's no like Ubers. It's just like 500 inhabitants and one person for every job. So like there's one gardener for the whole island. There's like one construction worker. So here's the gardener and the construction worker having a conversation and we ask them where we should go and he tells us to hop in his truck and he's like, I'll take you. So we were like, okay, now we're, we're literally hitchhiking. Like this would never fly back home, but we have no choice. Get in. Like this is what we're doing. Big lesson in trust and surrender. So we uh, go around to the truck and he's like, uh-uh, he doesn't want us to get in the seats. 
Don't know why, but he points to the back. So we're getting in the bed of the truck. He's like, just let me move this car door. Let me move this bumper. Just watch out for the glass over there, girls. We're like, no problem. So now we're tearing ass down a mountain, which feels about 60 miles per hour. Probably, probably more like 35. But honestly, when there are no guardrails and there's like a million and five foot drop down, it it's, I don't care. It was 60, okay? You can actually see that experience on my Instagram highlights under one of the St. Martin categories. It was probably one of the scariest and most wonderful moments of my life. So, so much fun, so dangerous, so much fun, but I regret nothing. And that was just another lesson in trust and surrender. We were already in the car. I trusted this man that he has done this drive a million times before. I knew that he didn't want to flip us out of the back seat, So I was trusting that he knew what he was doing and he was not going to crash and put us over on the side of that cliff. I did my best to channel my nerves into excitement, and I had a um, pretty good time. My cousin, on the other hand, that might be a different story. But yeah, everything that we crave, everything that we want to experience, all of these crazy stories that we want to have to tell our grandchildren that, you know, that we lived, like prove that we lived, prove to ourselves that we lived and not feel like we missed out on anything. They're all right on the other side of fear. And I don't want you to put yourself in a dangerous situation. I don't want you to say, fuck it and throw caution to the wind. Still keep your wits about you. Still use your brain. You don't want to put yourself in a dangerous situation. But if something that you want to do is just looking at you like it's scary and your fear is coming up, just ask yourself, why is this coming up? And, you know, go through like a little conversation with yourself. Is this really unsafe or do you feel like you are in danger? Then definitely say no. But if this is just something that you've always wanted to do, like, you know, skydiving. I mean, not that that's not dangerous, but you know what I mean? Like you're probably not going to die skydiving. <laughs> but like if you are relatively safe, like do you, is this just something fear that's coming up that's kind of relatively irrational? If it is just fucking do it because it's going to be so fun. I swear. I think that part of my adrenaline rush that you get when you like press book on a new trip is the kind of the fear that comes up of not knowing what's on the other side, of not knowing what's in this foreign land. It's like that kind of good anxiety. And I've learned to channel my anxiety into excitement instead of feeling anxious about something new, about, you know, going somewhere that you're not familiar with and not knowing what to expect. I've learned to channel that shakiness into excitement. But fear definitely comes up a lot while you're traveling. And it's important to have the tools to like bust through these things because we don't want it to override our ability to enjoy where we are. I used to let so many things stress me out on vacation from the second we landed. I would be like, go, 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 get the rental car. We have to be here by this time. And I would just like stress about things not going according to plan when I realized after a while that nothing ever goes according to plan when you're traveling in a foreign country with languages that you don't speak and restaurants that you've never been to before that you have to navigate with allergies and it's just really unrealistic to expect everything to go according to plan. So when I let that go and was able to let go of control I was able to enjoy myself so much more and find comedy in the shit that goes haywire and and just be able to look back on these as funny stories because we only have a couple of days to maybe a couple of weeks if we're lucky in these places. 
and enjoy where we are in the moment. And that's really where that mindfulness meditation comes in and maybe recognizing that it could be easier in a foreign land. Because think about where, when we meditate, I don't know about you, but when I meditate, I always picture myself like in a magical forest, like a a Japanese garden or in like the streets of Italy or in the Caribbean Sea. And like I go to these places in my mind. So when you're in these places, remember to be mindful and soak up every color, every window around you that looks cool, every body of water, everything on the street when you're walking. Just look at it. Just take it all in and look at it so you can transport yourself back whenever you feel like it. So if you are experiencing fear around travel, whether it's from being just in a foreign land or maybe you're traveling solo, or if you find yourself having fear come up around anything in your life, my book Off Your Ass and Out of Your Head is actually coming out within a week or two and I could not be more freaking excited. Like I said, I think this is my favorite project that I've ever worked on because it's going to help the masses for such a low price and it packs in all of the information that I've been living by for the past year and a half. Any limiting beliefs you have that may be holding you back, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I can't do this, how do I do this? This book is going to break it all down for you and create your own personal development workbook. If it sounds too good to be true, it isn't. It's here. (laughs) Off your ass and out of your head. The workbook. Okay. Anyway, I hope you like this episode. This is definitely not all that I've learned from travel, but it's just what came up in the moment. I'm sure a lot of these podcasts are going to have part twos, and this is probably going to be one of them. But screenshot, share. Maybe you like this podcast. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you found it a little funny. Or maybe you hated it and you want to troll me. Do it. Tag me. I will talk to you later.